It was the morning of my final exam in my British literature class. I was running a little late, and I, as I was, the platform was two stories up, so you had to take the stairs up. And I get to the platform, uh, the base of the platform, and I see the light rail train up there waiting. And I know that's bad news because that means it's going to leave at any point. So I run up the stairs um, as fast as I can, and, and I was, you know, I wasn't much smaller then than I am now. So this this was a whole lot of me to move. And I was running up these stairs, and I I get to the top of the platform just as the train's about to 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 depart, and it starts to move. And I'm running as fast as I can, and and I get to the back of the train, and it's moving. It's almost to the end of the platform, and I'm banging on the window, saying, "Stop! Stop! Let me on! Let me on!" Um, but uh, light rail uh, light rail conductors don't um, don't have a lot of sympathy, or didn't even know that there was a uh, a chubby undergraduate who needed to get on the train to um, get to uh, his final. And so I ended up exhausted, just falling on the platform, and literally just laying there because I wasn't used to um, wasn't used to that <laughs> that level of 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 pursuit at my top. Um, and, uh, I, I think that's a good metaphor for, uh, what we're going to see in Habakkuk in this, in this text in Habakkuk two verse one. Um, because what, what this text is going to call us to is, is going to call us to pursuing God in prayer, um, wholeheartedly and, um, full speed with all that's in us. Um, and, and all, we all, uh, maybe you're, um, in your life, you have chased after something figuratively, like sprinted towards some sort of a goal, a degree, a job, a career, an achievement, a relationship, and you've run after it as hard as you can and as fast as you can. And you were like a college commuter, Danny that day, and you were running after it as fast as you can. And maybe, maybe unlike me, you caught it. You caught that thing, and you got on the train, and maybe you're on that train now, or maybe like me, you missed it. You got so close, and you didn't quite make it. Maybe you're still in that place of running and pursuing and pushing toward that goal. Um, maybe, maybe you've never chased anything with any sort of meaningful sense of purpose. Maybe you've never run after and gotten after anything as fast as you can, and maybe you've sort of just meandered and wandered through life and... Um, and, and you haven't been worried about catching the train, so to speak, or maybe you haven't been doing done what what you haven't been willing to do what it takes to try to catch the train. And as we think about all of these types of pursuits or lack of pursuits, both literal and and figurative, um, in our lives, I wonder, I wonder, and this is sort of the pivot of of toward the text. I wonder if our pursuit of God looks anything like that. Um, does our pursuit of God compare in any way to my willingness to sprint after that train? Um, and, and, and we, we sort of, I think, have an inbuilt suspicion, um, or at least a, or maybe a full out conviction, if it's not just a sort of a, a, you know, subtle con, uh, suspicion, this nagging sense that we should, if you're a Christian, you should be going hard and full out after the Lord. Um, and we maybe at some point in our life, we have been near someone 
um, who was like that. Um, A.W. Tozer in, in his classic book, The Pursuit of God, says um, that when we come near to the holy men and women of the past, we will soon feel the heat of their desire after God. They mourned for him. They prayed and wrestled and sought for him day and night, in season and out. And when they had found him, the finding was all the sweeter for the long seeking. Um, I wonder if anyone's ever felt that way when they got near to us, when they got near to you or when they got near to me. Did they feel the heat of our craving for Christ, for our longing for God? And I think this brings us to the question a series of, of questions all at the same on the same theme. Um, what does our what do our prayer lives look like? Uh, what does our pursuit of God portray? Um, how do we approach God? Do we pro- approach Him merely with just requests? Um, do we engage often or or ever in prolonged and unhurried and reflective, expectant prayer? Um, how often do we ever find ourselves in the presence of God just silent and overwhelmed? Um, when was the last time you found your face buried in the carpet? Uh, when, were the, when was the last time you were overwhelmed in the presence of God? How, how consistent and persistent and passionate is your pursuit of God? And how passionate and consistent and persistent is my pursuit of God? And, and I just want to say at the outset that, that I'm not – this is not something I'm coming at from a place of um, self-righteousness or even a place of strength because um, I, am, I am coming at this from a place of weakness. Um, but I do believe with all of my heart that when Christ – what Christ purchased for us in the gospel was the presence of the Father because – Scripture says, on our own, we don't seek after God. No one, no one runs toward God. No one seeks the Creator. We all seek uh, salvation and satisfaction in the created things that are created. We seek, we seek it in material things. We seek it in relationships or emotional um, connections. We seek it in pleasure. We seek it in power. We seek it in ambition. We seek. Um, we seek for salvation and satisfaction in the things that have been made rather than the one who has made them. Um, and what Christ purchased for us in the gospel was access to our inheritance, which is the presence of our Father through the Spirit. The joy of knowing God. This is what, this is what the gospel is about, is about knowing God and coming back to God. Um, and what we have the privilege of doing here and now is pursuing God, pursuing God through passionate, persistent prayer. Pursuing God through passionate and persistent prayer. Um, and, and Habakkuk, I think, is going to demonstrate for us uh, a pattern of pursuing and persistent prayer um, that, that, will, that will help us along the way. Um, Habakkuk has become a friend of ours and a friend of mine and a friend of yours as we've, we've studied this together. And as you've read Habakkuk, um, Habakkuk's different than other prophets of the Bible. Habakkuk doesn't just speak to us on God's behalf. Habakkuk speaks to God on our behalf. Habakkuk is, is a friend and a prophet 
who, who dialogues with God. He's the faithful protester. Who, uh, he's the Protestant before the Protestant Reformation, the, prote- the one who protests what's happening. And he, he audaciously approaches the throne of God, and, and he, he comes to God's throne of grace, and he boldly asks God questions about what's happening and complains. And he, he brings those things to God in faith, and he receives answers, and he, he, he doesn't he, he doesn't satisfy himself with the first answer. He presses yet again and continues to ask and continues to seek. Habakkuk is the prophet who won't rest until he hears from God. And when God answers his prayer with a difficult answer, so, so in Habakkuk 1, 2 through 4, we see God, that Habakkuk brings these prayers of lament and complaint to the Lord. And, and the Lord answers him with this unbelievably difficult answer in Habakkuk 1, 5 through 11, saying, you think it's bad now, it's just, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And, and he says, I'm going to bring the Babylonians, I'm going to bring the, the, a, a nation even more wicked than Israel to judge Israel. And this, this unbelievably difficult answer, Habakkuk refuses to let that be the final word. And through that, God is bringing to bear his final word, his word of hope and promise for his people. And Habakkuk pushes back uh, in, uh, in Habakkuk 1, um, 12 through 17, and he appeals to God's character while protesting God's conduct. And he says, Lord, how can you are the living God, the eternal God, the holy God. How can you be treating your people? How can you be allowing this and, and ordaining this in the life of, of your people? And, and he's, he's been audacious and he's been bold. And maybe he's, maybe he's been, maybe he's gone a little too far this time. And he stands and he waits in Habakkuk 2.1. And he, and he waits for God to respond. He says, I stand at my guard post and station myself on the lookout tower. I will watch and see what he will say to me. This is his posture toward God. He's spoken to God and now he must wait for God. And in this one little verse, he provides this uh, counterintuitive pattern of prayer um, that both persists and pursues God and persists in that pursuit. Um, And unlike me running after the train that day, uh, this this pattern is is less like sprinting and more like standing. It's it's less like running than it is like staying, and it's 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 a it's less like missing that train and more like seeing God show up. Um, so this three part pattern of persistent prayer starts at the beginning of verse one, and the first part is to stand, stand at your guard post. He says, I will stand at my guard post or my watchtower. See his resolve there. He says, I will stand. He says, I am all in. I, I won't be moved. Martin Luther, when, when he uh, sparked the Protestant Reformation, he was brought up on charges by the Roman Catholic Church. His answer was, here I stand. I can do no other. This is, this is Habakkuk, the original Protestant saying, I will stand here. I won't, I will, I can do no other. I'm all in on this. Now, I want you to know um, that I am biblically all in on the necessity 
of grace and the Holy Spirit in our lives, that that without grace and the Holy Spirit saturating us as Christians, we are hopeless and helpless. I also think that the grace of the Holy Spirit in our lives pushes us and empowers us to do things that are good for our soul. One writer uh, has said that grace isn't opposed to, to effort, but to earning. So grace, salvation by grace means that we, not that we don't work for God and work toward God. It means that we don't earn our salvation. There's a little song I wrote for our kids that we sing to them at bedtime sometimes. Um, and, and it says that, um, I, and it's a prayer, pray that they would know him and love him and trust him, God, the Lord Christ, and follow wherever he leads. And they would know that salvation's by grace through faith. And from that comes good deeds. So, so, so when Habakkuk's pattern calls us to this passionate pursuit, he's not calling us to works righteousness. What he's calling to us to is a Holy Spirit empowered pursuit to seek after God with all of our heart. That will say like Habakkuk, I will take my stand. I'm going to seek after the Lord and his righteousness. I'm going to believe and I'm going to live like I have been saved by grace through faith. And that I am Ephesians, so so that the Ephesians 2 8 for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, his poema, his masterpiece, created for good works that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in. So what, what, what God has saved us from is our sin, and what he has saved us for is righteousness in his presence. God has prepared us for good works. And so what Habakkuk's doing is what we, we have to do too. We have, we have to resolve to stand in the presence of God and to seek God, to get off our backside, get out of the bed and into his presence, to make decisions that he's called us to make, to stop whining about God's distance and beginning by grace to seek his presence. I will take my stand. And that's the question that, that Habakkuk's uh, life is is putting to you. Will you take your stand? Will you seek God? Will you stand in his presence? Notice it says, I will stand at my guard post. I will stand at my guard post. There, there, God has called you to a specific portion in this season. I posted on social media a couple days ago that, you know, Shakespeare, um, uh, someone had posted, you know, that I've seen these things going around, like Shakespeare wrote three of his greatest masterpieces while he was in uh, quarantine. And I, I responded and said, yes, yeah, Shakespeare didn't have three kids at home trying to do homeschool. God has called you to a, a portion in this season. He's given you a guard post. And in that guard post, you are called to be faithful and to seek God, to intercede for others, to serve others. The guard post, I think, is also, uh, uh, well, I don't think, is, is in the Old Testament um, a theme in the prophetic literature where a prophet would stand on behalf of his people. So Isaiah 21, verse 8, he says, upon my watchtower, the same, the same word as guard post, 
I stand, O Lord, continually by day, and at my post I'm stationed whole nights. Ezekiel 33.7 is appointed as a watchman. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give a warning from me. So what Habakkuk's doing is he's standing in this prophetic tradition, and he's literally and figuratively standing on this watchtower, standing and looking over the horizon for the movement of God in his life and on behalf of his people. He has a place, a dedicated place, where he's standing and seeking and waiting for the presence of God. So I think the question is, do you have a watchtower? Well, you do, you have a portion. But do you have a dedicated place where you seek God? Um, to, and you can see beyond the horizon of your current situation. Do you have a place where you can stand and get in the word? Um, maybe it's a specific chair in a specific room. Maybe it's uh, the dining room table or the patio or the porch. Um, at, maybe, maybe it's the floor next to your bed. You need a place where you can seek God. There's a story of, of a godly woman of the past who would put an apron over her head at the, at the, at the table and her kids knew not to bother her because she was in the presence of God under that apron. That, that apron became the, the tabernacle of God's glory in her life. George Mueller, the great man of prayer, the, the one uh, man uh, in 19th century England, he, he built orphanages. He raised um, millions and millions of dollars in today's money um, uh, without ever asking for a dime. And just he just prayed and God provided. And, and he was said to walk the perimeter of his property with his Bible open and, and just pray every morning. Um, prayer walking, prayer, what, what, what it's, it can look different for each one of us. The question is, where are you going to make a, a place that will become a holy place for you to seek God? We've been privileged by God to seek his presence because Jesus Christ on the cross hung in his absence. Now, in his human nature, Jesus lost. Now, the, the Father and the Son were never separated. You can't separate the Trinity. But in his human nature, Jesus lost the sense of his Father's favorable presence. And he hung there and he died, bearing the weight of our sin, being buried and raised again so that we could enter into the presence of God. If you've never turned from your sin and trusted in Christ, what better time than now? Now is the day of salvation. Turn from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ. Give your life to God and entrust your life to God. We are learn we're learning these days, your life is so fragile. Our life, our society, our prosperity is so fragile. From a high point of the S&P 500 at the end of February, People have lost everything. Things have collapsed around us. Life is fragile. I was talking to our daughter the other day. I said, can you imagine going through life without the hope that we have as Christians? God can give you hope. Turn from your sin and trust in Christ. If you are in Christ, this is your call. Your call is to be like Jesus Mark 1.35, he rose early in the morning and while it was still dark, he departed and went to a desolate place and prayed. Um, we think often that Jesus lived the life that he lived because he was God and that's true. 
but he was also a man. He had a full human nature just like us. And so you know what? He was tired in the morning. He didn't want to get up in his human nature. He wanted to sleep in. But he was compelled to seek his father. His, li- his joy in life and his endurance in death came directly from his connection with his father's presence. And he cultivated the father's presence in the early mornings of his, of his days. David says in Psalm 55 and 53 and Psalm 88, 13, that he says, I will seek you in the morning. Psalm 119, verse 47, it says, I will rise before dawn and cry for help. Psalm 130, verse 6, my soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. Once I was listening to Nancy Lee DeMoss uh, and uh, her uh, now married name as uh, Wogelmuth, I think. Um, but she, she said she used to tell people not to feel bad about getting up early because she didn't want to be legalistic about it, but that the more she studied the scripture, the more she realized that the consistent pattern of God's people is to rise early in the morning to pray. And so I'm not going to be legalistic about it, but I am going to say that if your job required you to, you would get up. We get up early for things all the time. Whether there are things we, we want to get to the magic kingdom, the gates of the magic kingdom early, so we get up early. We have to be at work early, so we get up early. But when it comes to an appointment with God, we say, oh, I don't want to be legalistic. I just wonder if maybe we should rethink that. What could it look like to get up 20 minutes earlier and spend our knee, that time on our knees in, with our face in the word in prayer? What could it look like to get spiritual breakfast before physical breakfast? Starting small, 15 minutes, 12 minutes. What if, what if you just carved out a little bit more time for seeking the presence of your Father through the Spirit as in union with Christ? Stand. Stand at your guard post. The next thing we see that Habakkuk does is he stays. Look what he says. He says, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the lookout tower. Habakkuk stays. He digs in his heels and he says, um, this morning we were doing uh, Bible time with my kids. That's one of the best things about this this homeschool thing we're doing is every morning, the first thing we do is we read the Bible together. And it's actually my daughter's idea to, um, I mean, we told them they need to do Bible time, but then she said, well, why don't we just read some chapters and take turns reading verses? And so we do that every morning. It's, it's amazing. And we read the story of Jacob with the angel and he grabs the angel and he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. How often are we like that with God in prayer? We grab hold and say, I won't let you go until you bless me. This isn't a momentary decision. This is a consistent pattern of persistence. Don't give up. Sometimes we're lazy and we're fickle. Other times we're discouraged. Um, Sometimes we're going through the motions of our pursuit, but we're not truly wholeheartedly seeking the Lord. I just want to encourage you, don't give up. Start and don't stop. If you miss a day, if you miss two days, if you miss a week, get back in, get back started. Start back up. Continue. I am an expert on um, not being consistent with exercise routines. Um, I'm an expert on that. 
and uh, I have the uh, I have the physique to prove it. Because nobody can no, you don't do an exercise routine for a week or two or three and expect results. You're sore in the beginning. It's miserable in the beginning, but if you pr- stick with it, so I'm told. Um, there's been seasons where I've done this. Um, things begin to change. If you stick with it, it's going to be difficult at first. It's going to be tough sledding. You're going to feel like your prayers are bouncing against the ceiling. You're going to be tired. You're going to fall asleep. You're going to be clouded. You're going to read the scripture and wonder what the heck it's talking about. Don't give up. Stay at your guard post. Stay at your lookout tower like Habakkuk did. And don't and don't go into it expecting some sort of re- revelatory Shekinah glory, you know. That is by far the exception. It may or may not happen and usually it won't. But ultimately that's not the goal. The goal is long-term cultivation of intimacy with the Father in Christ through the Spirit. Psalm 1 says that the man who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates day and night is blessed. He's like a tree planted by streams of water. The persistent pattern of the people of God is watchful prayer soaked with the scripture. Getting up when, we've, when, when, when our face is, is, is having trouble opening itself up for the day. When, when we oversleep, saying, you know what, I'm going to try again. I'm going to find the time. I'm going to go to my watchtower. God has planted the seed of the gospel in our hearts and the Holy Spirit makes it grow and it roots itself and it pushes through down into our legs and into our feet and through the 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 the, the into the soil of grace like like a tree planted by streams of water. Psalm 1 says that the godly person who seeks God day and night will be like that tree. Scripture calls us this this root metaphor is all over the Bible. It's Colossians 2:7 Rooted and grounded in Christ. Ephesians 3.17 Rooted and grounded in love. Roots are uh, permanent. Roots are deep. Roots are nourishing. And they take time to grow. Stand at your watchtower and stay there. And I promise you, not because I say it, but because the word says it will be worth it. Stand at your watchtower, stay there. And then the third, the third part, see, see what God says. Says, I will stand at my guard post, station myself, and I will watch to see what he will say to me. This is the difference between Habakkuk's prayer and our prayer. Habakkuk expects God to answer. He's looking beyond the horizon of his current situation, the current horizon of possibility, and he's expecting a a sunrise breaking into his life, that God's presence will break in. We got to approach God with the same expectation. Every time we seek him, we, we need to expect his presence. And again, this is not in contrast, this is not a contradiction to not expecting the Shekinah to descend every time. Because that it doesn't necessarily mean there's this glorious moment of, of all-encompassing, you know, light and, and, and wonder. That happens, hopefully, once in a while. But more often, it's the quiet. Elijah 
In the, the story of Elijah, he says, there was a whirlwind, but the voice of God wasn't in the whirlwind. There was a whisper. See that God will speak to you. He'll show up for you. Um, when we approach God with this expectation, every time we seek him, um, we expect that he will respond, that he will meet us in that place by his grace. That's why I think prayer has to be saturated with the Bible. The reason our prayer lives are stale is because we're trying to just make up words. Pray through the, pray through the scripture. God's given us, um, one of my professors in seminary said, he's given us a prayer book. One of the prayers I've been praying recently is Psalm 18. I love you, Lord, my, my strength. The Lord is my rock. You know why? Because if I sit and pray by myself, I, I run out of things to say. And Pray the Bible. You can also just sit and soak in the presence of God. Sometimes the best form of prayer is silence in God's presence. Pray the Bible and then shut up. Let me hear, Psalm 85 verse 8 says, Let me hear what God said, what the Lord God will speak. And notice what it, it continues. For he will speak peace. He will speak peace. And you know what? He has spoken peace. He's spoken peace to us in the gospel. Ephesians 2 says Christ came and he pre preached peace and he himself is our peace. He's our peace with God. He's our peace with one another who are different than us in that context. It's Jews and Gentiles, ethnic diversity, differences of, you know, uh, socioeconomic status, ethnic distinction, political opinion, generation. Christ has brought peace. He will bring peace and he'll also bring subjective peace. He'll quiet your heart. And what we're going to see is in the rest of chapter 2, in Habakkuk chapter 2, this is exactly what happens. This is exactly what happens. The Lord, verse 2, answered. The Lord answered. And we're not going to get into that. We'll talk about that next time. But the Lord answered Habakkuk again. He will speak peace. When you stand in his presence, when you stay in his presence, he, you will see him speak into your heart and your life. And the way he does that, he's, he does that through the scripture. Get into the Bible. Again, stop looking for answers in your circumstances or in your Cheerios or in your dreams at night. God has given you the answer. It's called, there's like, I don't know how many pages. My, my Bible's got like, 1,100 pages of small print. There's plenty here for you to hear from God. Get into the Bible and hear him speak. Listen to what he'll say to you. And as we hear from God, we respond in faith. We respond in faith as Habakkuk did. Look at the final phrase of verse 1, Habakkuk 2.1. I will watch and see what he will say to me and what I should reply about my complaint. And that reply, so God's answer is going to come in the rest of chapter 2, and then Habakkuk's final reply is a song or a poem, a psalm, in chapter 3. This ultimately moves Habakkuk to worship. 
three-part pattern of persistent and pursuing prayer from Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. Stand in God's presence and stay in God's presence and see God move and speak to you and for you. We need to seek the Lord in this hour, in this time. We need to cultivate a life of prayer. We will find him when we seek him because he's already sought and found us. If we are in Christ, we don't have to look for God because God's already looked for us. He's found us and he just wants to spend time with us. So let's be a praying people. Let's be a praying church. In the midst of the chaos and the kids and all of that's happening, maybe you're losing, uh, maybe work is hard or maybe you, work is, maybe you got laid off or may, maybe you're, you're stressed and, and you're not sure how to, how to cope. You're not sure what's going to happen in the next few months. Let's commit. And I want to encourage you to commit to cultivating a pattern of pursuing and persistent prayer in this season. Like I said at the beginning, I'm not saying this from a place of strength. I'm saying this from a place of weakness. I need the same grace that you need, but I'm committed to it. Let's commit to it, whatever that looks like, and grow in this together. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Um, not sure if we'll do a live stream tomorrow. If not, it will be Friday, and uh, this will be up on the podcast. If you need anything, uh, let me know. You can text me, 954-873-2077. You can call me or email me. Uh, Danny at crossunited.org. I'm trying to pray consistently for, for all of you and, um, and uh, just know that and uh, know that more importantly, God is with you and uh, he hasn't left you alone. So with that, we'll sign off. God bless.